And you're listening to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Well, policing is often about personal communications between the officer and a variety of other actors, including peers, supervisors, citizens, crime victims, and offenders. Certainly, the officer must have the ability to be as effective as possible, often using a variety of different skills and tactics. As with all skills, tactics, and operations, the officers should receive training and have some introspective of how well they are successful in the interactions. Training for perishable skills should be refreshed for the officer to be successful. Today, we welcome our guests who will be bringing to light how we may better be communicators by honing our own emotional intelligence. Well, Dr. Michael Gould is a retired chief of police after 23 years in law enforcement. He served in many capacities, including patrol officer, command center supervisor, corrections watch commander, CSI detective division assistant commander. His doctoral dissertation examined traumatic stress and 911 personnel. He is a certified executive coach and certified facilitator in emotional intelligence. Most importantly, he's a husband, father, and grandfather. And Dr. Obed Magni is the founder and CEO of Magni Leadership, a service offering emotional intelligent training and coaching for law enforcement and justice professionals. Obed is an international keynote speaker and advocate for evidence-based policing. Obed Magni helps police organization become transformative in building trust and legitimacy by creating innovative strategies to reduce negative interactions between public safety officers and the public, all of which are part of his mission to change the perspectives of public safety from negative to positive. Dr. Obed is a police officer with 17 years of experience. Well, welcome to you both, Dr. Obed Magni and Dr. Michael Gould. Thanks for having us How's on, How's it going? Jim. Thank you for having us. So we've heard about emotional intelligence before. How does it apply to public safety? Uh, tell us tell us what you're talking about. You want to take this uh, one, Magni? I can jump on. Yeah, I'll take this one. So I'm going to steal a line from my, uh, my colleague here. Uh, we're in the people business. And 99% of interactions between police officers and the public uh, take place when usually when people are having a bad day. And so when you think about it from a customer service perspective, um, we got to have the tools in place and the trainings in place so that police officers are better equipped to deal with members of the public. And even if it's not a negative interaction, even if we're talking about, um, you know, just having conversations or you know, minor you know, conflict mediation, those type of things. Uh, we gotta be in a position where we know what it is that we're doing and making sure that in the big picture, we accomplish those goals. So we don't teach this much of emotional intelligence. We don't teach much of interpersonal skills in the academy in the first place. And a recent uh, study uh, that was published showed that we only spent about 3% of a six-month academy, and we're talking maybe what twenty hours over six hundred hours worth of uh, you know training on those interpersonal skills, and you know that's just that's it's not enough. So when we have those officers, when we have those 
you know, professionals who may not know how to talk to people or interact with people or understanding, hey, the person I'm dealing with is going through a certain type of crisis and identifying what those crises are and how to mitigate and deal with that. Um, you know, we're kind of like behind the eight ball and we got to be better at that. Absolutely. Jim, if I could, I, th I think it might be helpful to tell the audience what actually emotional intelligence is. Um, when we teach our classes, the vast majority of people raise their hand when we ask, what do you know about EQ? And, and the vast majority of people don't. So if I could, um, just a brief definition is emotional intelligence is understanding and controlling your own emotions and recognizing and influencing the emotions of others. Now, it might sound theoretical or you know, kind of pie in the sky, um, but it has a direct correlation to what Dr. Magni spoke about is policing is the people business. You know, we, we, we have, you know, we learn about laws and policies and procedure, but those have to be implemented with people, either from a leadership perspective internally, from the chief down to the patrol officer or what have you, and then certainly with the public. And, and as Dr. Magni pointed out, as a profession, we have done, unfortunately, an inadequate job of preparing everybody at all levels to deal with that. And we see it, unfortunately, I'm gonna say almost daily throughout the United States and, and the negative interactions that are videotaped or recorded somehow that just get our profession in trouble. Right, and, and we've seen those videos, right? Where someone with a knee jerk response or with an emotional response does something and it's a gotcha moment, right? Where we're all exposed. And we often hear about emotional intelligence and we all have varying levels of that. And we also hear about EQ or emotional, the emotional quotient. How, what's that about? Well, uh, Dr. Gould, it is, I, I, people often get confused with EQ, which is emotional intelligence versus IQ, which is your intelligence is the thing you're born with. Um, but again, we're in the people business and the vast majority of what we do involves our emotions and dealing with other people. Um, certainly we wanna hire intelligent people uh, to be in this profession, but there's also kind of that common sense aspect and that common sense aspect is just, is dealing with people on a one-to-one on -a -one basis. Um, and more often than not, controlling your own emotions. And I, and I just wanna say, this isn't some softer, you know, touchy-feely aspect. I, I can look back on my career when I was super pissed off at a suspect, you know, and then I, now that I'm a little older and, you know, introspective is like, why was I so pissed off? You know, well, he got under my skin and we've seen again on video where a suspect gets under a skin of somebody of an officer. And like you said, they have a knee jerk reaction that gets them in trouble. And, and the rest of us get judged by the, the bad actions of one person. So, that, that's that differentiation. So as an individual, is it possible to build our emotional um, quotient? Can we get better at it through training? Is that what you do? Yeah, and just to follow up on something that my uh, Dr. Gould just mentioned, you have to remember too, uh, with EQ, you can expand your EQ. So if your emotional intelligence levels are very low, let's say, and you know, there's some, you know, several components of emotional intelligence. So it starts with self-awareness, you know, you have self-management, there's a social awareness component, and there's the relationship management part. And let's say that you take an assessment test and you find out that you're low on all of those avenues, right? 
Well, with emotional intelligence training, with coaching, you can increase your emotional intelligence. The difference between EQ, and when we say emotional intelligence and EQ, it's the same thing. It's the emotional quotient and the intelligent quotient. With IQ, your IQ is basically your innate ability to learn. That's all it is. And so it's a threshold competency, which means by the time you're in your early teens, your, your IQ stops. Like you can't increase your IQ. The three of us today couldn't go and take some classes and increase our IQ if we wanted to. That's You just can't. Now with your EQ, you can. So if you're not that good at talking to people, if you're, let's say you're an introvert and you, know, you get shy or whatever, that's okay. You can increase your emotional intelligence training and all of those things and you can be better at it. And so I just wanted to piggyback off of uh, you know what Mike was saying about that. And I can't remember what the uh, what that question that you just had that you just asked. Um, well, you just answered it. I was asking, can you know, if we come in at a, at a certain threshold, can we increase our um, emotional intelligence? And and you, you essentially said, yeah, that's that's what you guys teach. And of course, we're talking about that's the right, benefit. Yep. Yeah, we're talking about law enforcement, public safety, and how uh, you know building our um, competency helps us uh, dealing with difficult people, maybe. Uh, what's the benefit to our off-duty life? I, I can take this one having uh, my my prouder moments are being a husband and a father and now thankfully a, a grandfather. Uh, is we, we, we don't leave the job at the door. We, we can pull up into the driveway or whatever, but you know it, the job doesn't leave us. I've been retired four years and I still go into restaurants and sit with my back to the wall, right? My wife still knows. That, that's my seat. Um, but we come home after, you know, a really crappy call or a fight with somebody or what have you. And, um, and, and we take that home with us and, and, and it, it, it carries over into our work. And then I will say, um, sadly, I, I think again for this year is, is suicides is our number one killer of our profession. And there is a definite nexus between emotional intelligence and, and suicide. So it's great that we're finally addressing that as a profession, but certainly if, if we back up and we start at the academy level through continuing education and, and so forth and recognize, hey, this job is an emotional job and that, that emotional job takes its toll on us and the cognitive dissonance that we deal with on a daily basis is going to take its toll. And, and um, if we can increase the EQ of everyone in this profession, I know without a shadow of a doubt that our suicide numbers will drop. I'm thinking along the lines of what you just said, uh, Dr. Gould, in, in, in our off-duty life, um, you know, preparation is, is huge. And in, in our relationships at home with our kids or our, our spouses, um, you know, we, it, once we become aware of our own trigger points or things that, that take us to that dark place, um, that, that we can prepare for those situations. I think one of the challenges just from an emotional perspective, right? If you're, we deal with people that, and I'm using air quotes here, but disobey us or, you know, confront our authority. And, and we deal with that all day long. And we do that for 10 hours a day, 40 hours a week. And then we go home to our teenager. And I'm pretty sure the second word after teenager is recalcitrant or, you know, doesn't recognize authority, right? And so we're already jacked up from dealing with that as a police officer or, you know, the public safety officer during our professional week. And then our off hours, we have little patience for our kids who confront us with, 
that authority recognition problem, right? And like, hey, I'm the dad. I, I ain't asking a second time. I put up with that crap all week. But we give more leeway to suspects than we do our own kids because we've given everything at the office and that and that destroys our relationship at home. The thing with emotional intelligence is that, you know, it's not just a, you just do this at work and so you improve your work relationships and so on and so forth. It actually bleeds into other areas of your life, right? So if you think about it conceptually like a tree, if you take care of what's going on at the base, at the roots, right? Well, then you have the other branches of your life, whether it's your personal relationships, your professional relationships, relationship with your family um, and other people. So you increase your communication skills, your empathy skills, your compassion skills, um, your conflict resolution skills, um, all of these other skills where you're better at interacting with different people. And, you know, like Dr. Google saying, you know, him being a family man, you know, this is something that when you work on it, right, it. It, it, it's like being at the gym. Just because you're in shape, you don't just stop once you reach a certain goal. You got to maintain that level of fitness. And so when you're working on those skills, it actually becomes, it, it, the other areas of your life become much better for it because of that. And the research, you know, suggests that, um, again, it's that force mode. Okay, so you, you both laid out a pretty good uh uh, emotional intelligence uh, roadmap there. And it's all great if we can sort of rationalize a situation, but say you're in a, in a call for service where a, a report may be in order and you're just taking the information and putting it back on paper. I can definitely see going with the flow there, but then you, you look at those situations where uh, you're dealing with somebody who is irrational or maybe a spontaneous event where you come on two people and they're fighting and it's a violent attack and you've got to get in the middle of it and somebody, you know, pops you on the side and now you're in it. How's, how do we control our emotions in those situations? So if, you know, I want to make sure I, and I know I speak for Dr. Gould in this, you know, understand that, you know, emotional intelligence is not a panacea. It's not a solve every cure-all type of problem. Um, and I can actually give you one anecdotal, uh, you know, uh, story, if I can. Uh, on a call for service, we had a guy that was arrested for burglary in progress. So we ended up getting there pretty quickly. Uh, you know, he happened to live around the corner. Uh, records check shows he was on probation. So we run around the corner to do a probation search at his house. And so we go to the house and, you know, I wasn't the lead officer, but I was helping out with the paperwork. <clears throat> and the lead officer was talking with the mom because, you know, he lived at home with his mom. And she was like, you ain't coming up in here. You're, you're not going to come up in here and do a probation search. And he's like, uh, yes, we are. We're going to go in here and do what we're going to do. So you got to steal me, right? And mind you, I'm minding my business, writing this paperwork, you know, doing whatever I'm doing. And I hear this shouting match. Now, mind you, it's Saturday morning. It's like 7.30 a.m., 8.30 a.m., something like that. And you've got all these patrol cars outside the house. And, you know, mom is like screaming off the top of the lung saying, you're not going to come into my house and do a search of my house. So I see this going on and... I'm like, okay, this is going to get bad really, really quickly. I stepped out the car and I had a good relationship with this officer. And I was like, hey, man, you don't mind. Let me just talk to her real quick. I, I think I can reason with her, you know, and so on and so forth. So he was like, be my guest. So, you know, I walk with mom uh, down the street, maybe about 50 yards. And for no less than about 15, 20 minutes, 
she just gave it to me, absolutely gave it to me. And all I did was actively listen to her. This woman was not so much angry and wasn't trying to do the whole, I'm bigger than you or I'm better than you and I'm going to fight you because you come to my house. It was the recognition because I knew there was more than her just being angry. And when I let her vent and I did the active listening and I validated her feelings, again, I'm not saying I had to agree with her. I was empathizing and putting myself in her position, right? It's 8.30 in the morning. You're waking me up. You tell me my son's in the back of your patrol car. All of these police cars in front of my house. My neighbors are looking at me. I'm in back. You would expect a mom to react that way. After letting her vent, because that's what it was. It was the, there was more to her words being said. And this is emotional intelligence 101. It's when you recognize that this person isn't so much really angry with you personally. It is the circumstances around. And who knows, there might've been some previous negative experiences with the police. Maybe her son got to her that day and she's just at her wit's end. But when you recognize, hey, this woman just wants to be heard and acknowledged with the pain that she's going through. Let me tell you something. After she was done undressing me, not physically, of course, um, we walked to the house and she was like, all right, you guys are free to go in there and do your search. So no use of force. Nobody had to go hands on with anyone. She even allowed, I went and did the search, you know, in the guy's room, there was nothing in there, but she even allowed the other officer who she had a beef with to go in and do whatever he needed to do too. And that's all it took an extra 10, 15 minutes to let somebody vent their frustrations. And how many calories were burned? Zero. So in a case like that, yeah, we would have been justified going hands-on with her, but did we have to? No. So that would be emotional intelligence at play. Now, again, I'm not saying this is going to work in every single situation. I can give you other stories too. But emotional intelligence is, hey, if there's an opportunity or a window to use another avenue so you don't have to go hands-on, why wouldn't you utilize that? You know, that way I don't get hurt. The other person doesn't get hurt. Supervisor doesn't have to write a use of force report. You know, you don't have to have somebody with a cell phone camera capturing you doing something that may look bad on your behalf or the, you know, on the behalf of the organization and all those things. So that would be an example of how it could be used um, in lieu of a use of force that, again, otherwise would have been justified. Yeah, well, that makes absolute sense. Dr. Gold, anything to add to that? Yeah, you know, I'll just say is we're big into officer safety as a profession, which is which is which is wise and absent, you know, like an active shooter. I think, you know, the one that happened in San Jose a couple of weeks ago, I, I would fully expect officers to go in and stop that threat. We know that much now in a workplace violence or a school. It is not the time for de-escalation. I'm sorry. That's that's unfortunately just has to happen. But so often, if we can just step back for a second, check our own ego. Like Dr. Magni said, is often people are just pissed. I'll bet you that lady was more mad at her kid than she was mad at the cops, right? But she has nowhere to vent that mm -hmm. that energy and that anger. And and we've mm -hmm. got to teach our people, hey, people are going to be pissed. I'm sorry, they're going to be emotionally upset. We'll be docile <laughs> here, but right, people are going to be really mad at us. But it's not you personally. It's not Michael Gould. It's not Obed Magni. It's not Jim Dudley. They're mad at their kid that they've been busting their butt trying to get this kid back on track and get him through AA or, you know, get him clean or whatever. And he screwed up again. And now I got a squad car, mm -hmm. you know, five squad cars in front of my house and I'm really pissed at my kid, but I'm going to take it on the officer and hell no, you're not coming into my house. And then it becomes, like you said, this stalemate. Um, and I'm just going to throw it out there because of, of my opportunities to, to lead and be a servant, you know, 
in, in various capacities. We, we can do the same thing as a sergeant and, and you know, as a leader in, in discipline, just having conversations with our employees is so often we have a script in our head when we've got to do a progressive discipline. I remember doing one once and I went in to talk to an employee and I thought it was going to go one way and they dropped a bombshell about their personal life, which 100% made sense of why their performance was in the crapper. And it totally changed the direction of my conversation from, you know, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to sign here to, hey, how can we help you? What do we need to do to help you? And now that I'm looking back, that was emotional intelligence, not that, you know, it was the greatest thing I did, but had I kept to that script that I had learned in sergeant school, I would have screwed it all up. I would have screwed up a great relationship. I would have damaged a great employee that once we helped them, they were back to their great self and they were 110 percenter. So um, that's the part where this applies. And, and I'll share this, I, I, we, hopefully we'll talk about it, is the gaps of EQ within our profession. And it starts in the academy, I think we could even talk about it might even start before that where we hire people. It's, it's that application. You know, we teach, you know, building searches and policies and procedures and arrest control. That's a perfect example. Arrest control, right? Is we hire people for the most part who haven't been in a lot of fights because we're like, hey, we want you to be even tempered. And if in theory, if you've been in a lot of fights, maybe that shows you don't have a good temper. But uh, I have six brothers. We got in a few scraps as, you know, growing up as, as siblings. And then I wrestled in high school. I was used to winning and I was used to losing in a physical sense, right? In a fight or in a wrestling match. But we don't teach that in the academy. It's, it's at least I, from what I, I've talked to some recent or some of my colleagues who teach arrest control, it's still we teach the mechanics of arrest control. We don't teach the emotions of arrest control. So we can go, hey, I'm losing. Oh, crap. Versus not that again, using air quotes, what I'm winning is the force that I'm using appropriate. Do I need to check myself or am I pissed at, am I upset with the suspect because they challenged me or something? Do I need to back off the person's under, you know, they're handcuffed, they're under control. Do I still need to be laying on them or putting force? Probably not. I need to in my head go on and start checking vitals or stepping back and calming down or tapping out and let somebody else take over. So that's just one example, but every, example of what we do are every aspect of a profession has an emotional component to it for sure and and, and just real quick because i'd be remiss if i didn't mention this we know we all know officers are working harder today more than ever before they're doing more with less than ever before i already know what it's like right as soon as you log on for my patrol people out there shout out to my patrol folks out there you log on you're on swing shift and you got 15 calls pending in your beat and you think you're going to go to Starbucks and, you know, get your coffee to start. And that don't happen. And you're like, right out the gate, you're going call to call to call to call. You don't even get a chance to eat. Think about you getting hangry and you're still expected to perform at a level that, I mean, we're just keeping it real. You know what I'm saying? That's me and Dr. Gould talking about this is so vital and so important. If never, now more today than ever before. So how do you manage the lack of resources and you're going from call to call to, so you're having to manage your own emotions, right? You're having to manage your own stress levels because of, you know, there might be something, you know, within your organization or something political or, you know, something having to do with organizational, you know, um, 
of leadership that's or lack thereof, I should say. And so you're having to deal with that. And then you're having to go out into the streets and then you're having to go out and deal with other people's problems and having to problem solve and conflict resolution, all that. That's a lot. That is a lot for officers to handle and not putting evidence-based strategies in place to help them manage those things. Um, I, I would say that, it, that that's downright criminal. So, you know, we've got to make sure that we overemphasize the use of these types of strategies, the, these types of trainings, because we desperately need it. If we're not taking care of the officers on the front line, all you got to do is go on Twitter or you can go on Facebook or whatever it is. And you see the mass exodus that's taking place right now in police. What do you hear people saying from coast to coast? Man, screw this job. I ain't doing this no more. You know what? I'm out of here. I'm going to just go to my, I mean, you see record numbers of early retirements going on. So now you don't have people coming into the job because they're not applying for it. You got people with natural attrition on the way out. And you got people saying with everything going on, whether it's from, you know, the lack of appreciation from maybe those from the outside and maybe lack of appreciation or lack of resources from the inside and the combination, the convergence of all of these things. I mean, you, you're sitting around saying, hold on, is this, you know what? Here's what I'm about to do. I'm about to uh, quit my job. You know, I'm going to go to Montana, okay, and get me a little ranch, kick back, or go to Utah, go up to the mountains. And you know what? I'm just going to listen to the serene silence to help me. Do you know what I'm saying? And what does that mean for public safety? So if we don't have people in the streets maintaining, you know, public safety, that that's that's a problem. So we've got to make sure we don't only address this, but actually have an evidence-based solution to solve these, you know, to, to, to be to solve these issues. And so I just wanted to say my piece on that. So shout out for my patrol officers out there doing more with less, man. Hey, we we know the struggle. We know the struggle. For sure. And you bring up really excellent points about uh, the justification to sleep well, hydrate, and have something to eat before you come on shift because you never know. It's, it's a box of chocolates when you turn that MVT on, right? I'd love to get more into training and leadership, but right now I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor. PoliceOne.com is the number one resource for your up-to-the-minute law enforcement news, training, and incident analysis. Our mission is to provide you with the information you need to better protect your communities and your safety. Becoming a Police One member is quick, easy, and free. Once registered, you will receive access to secure law enforcement-only training and video tips, articles and sections, and a subscription to our award-winning law enforcement newsletters. Go to policeone.com forward slash registration to sign up today. That's policeone, the number one, dot com forward slash registration. And we're back with Dr. Obed Magni and Dr. Michael Gould talking about emotional intelligence in law enforcement. So I'd like to ask you both. So what do you see as the gaps in EQ and public safety training? Um, how much more do we need? And we talked about it being one of the perishable skills. How much maintenance do we need? I'm happy to take this one as, uh, you know, Dr. Magni and I met before as we went through the different rosters. Uh, so using California Post as an example and what the minimum requirements are for the dispatcher training, uh, the basic recruit academy and what have you. And and great folks at Post and, the, and they're talking about it. And, you know, even the, the de-escalation 
product that was put out. They mentioned emotional intelligence, but we're at the we're at the bottom of the of, of the rung here in the sense that there's there's really no program that I know of nationally or locally or that is addressing and, and combining EQ within every aspect, every learning domain of, of the academy on, right? Even during advanced officer school, FTO school, sergeant school, management school, executive development, it's just absent and, and, and it's apparent, right? Um, so there's just huge gaps and, and it's, I'm, I'm hesitant to say, you know, or someone oh, it's, it's the catch-all, it's the flavor of the month that EQ is just this fad, but it's not. It's been in, you know, the private sector for decades um, and it's now finally getting to us, but it really has an element in every aspect of policing, interview and interrogation, driving school, uh, dispatcher and call taking, interview, I think I said interview, arrest control, all of that, community relations, there is an element of EQ in each and every one of those, and we just got to start addressing it. Um, and Dr. Magny. You know what? Thank you for mentioning that, Dr. Gould. So for my risk management people listening to this show right now, I'm going to speak your language, okay? <clears throat> to Jim's point, the research on emotional intelligence shows you have lower absenteeism or organizations that utilize emotional intelligence training. Okay, we're talking about it is a DNA. They do this from the moment you apply and it is a continued a CPT every year and there are measurements and uh, metrics in place throughout each year that you're in the organization. So it's not a you show up and you take a test and it's like, okay, you're, you're good. And then you don't have to like <laughs> do anything else after the fact, right? So you got lower absenteeism. You've got Lower cases of workers' compensation. Okay, did I? I don't know if I uh, mentioned that uh, to my risk management folks. Lower workers' comp case related to stress-related issues. Okay, so <clears throat> you've got those things. You've got people who are happier. You've got happier employees. You've got happier customers. You see the force multiplication again, like Dr. Gu was saying, with the customers, right? Because that's who we are. We're public servants. We're supposed to serve the public. If we know that there is something in place, if we know that the Fortune 100, the Fortune 500, the Fortune 1000 companies, they make it a point to have this training be mandatory and people get in coaching if they're on that so that they can improve themselves. Again, this is a this is so normal in other organizations that it's not something that they actually think about. It's like, if we don't put these things in place, then the people that we're dealing with, the stakeholders, they're not gonna be happy. If the stakeholders ain't happy, and again, I'm not saying policing is supposed to be a you know, uh, for-profit you know, uh, profession, but if the customers are happy, then that means everybody else is gonna be happy and everything's gonna go well. If we have people who are not happy with the profession, what are we actually doing? What are we putting in place that we know is based on data science and research to alleviate that? So. Um, you know, again, if you've got, like I said, I mean, you talk about what's going on in the policing. We've got high absenteeism and we've got people leaving. And we've got people out on stress. Those three things by themselves, I mean, forget everything else. I mean, those are those are pretty significant things that uh, we can address right now. So, mm -hmm. Well, you both talked about or you hinted towards even before the academy. So can we identify someone with a glaring lack of emotional intelligence in the testing stage, and, and are we doing that? Uh, well, the, 
I know of one or two agencies that have that use an EQ assessment. Um, in my certification, we've been told that to not to use it as a, a way to screen people in and out, but a mm -hmm. developmental tool. So mm -hmm. certainly, I mean, if there's if combined with other assessments and you know interviews with the with the psychologist, that would be good if they determine. But uh, we try to use it more of a developmental tool to go, hey, we recognize maybe empathy isn't your strong empathy for me isn't my strong point and something I'm working on, but, uh, you know, you can be coached and certainly, uh, using those tools to help certainly from a, a supervisor and a manager perspective uh, of, of coaching in EQ, but yes, it can be used in the beginning. Certainly it needs to be. But aren't we, aren't we actually doing that without calling it that when we do, you know, these multiphasic tests and then we do a, psychological screening and then the the psychologist talks to them to to check their um, compassion or empathy scale we're doing that aren't we uh, i think on a, on a little bit uh you know but on a grander scale again is as i look back on my academy i can still somewhat remember the olden days but um it, it was void emotional intelligence was void of of anything that we talked about hmm. and so you know, we just don't have honest discussions as a profession to say, hey, you're going to meet up with the suspect one night. And depending on what your ethnic background is, your gender, whatever perceived thing that that person can attack you with, they're going to do it. And we never talk about it. So, hey, we don't have that honest conversation to go, hey, there's you're going to be attacked personally for nothing that you did just because of the badge and how you react to that is going to be a significant thing throughout your career. I heard it when I was running a comm center, 911. Why are you asking me these questions? Because I'm black, you know, and that was the cult. And like, no, 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 hey, I need to ask you these questions. And they get into these fights instead of just going, hey, I, I need to ask you some questions. So we do have significant gaps and it, and it is starts from pre-hire, but it's, it's throughout an individual's career. Yeah, if I could just, uh, I mean, I, could, I don't know if I could have said that any better. Uh, one of the things, and let's assume, just for the sake of this conversation, let's assume that, you know, uh, Mr. Dudley, we did an emotional intelligence assessment for every single person coming in, okay? We know who's high or low or wherever they are on the scale. We have that information. Now, what do we do with it? And that's a rhetorical question. I didn't mean that, like you have to answer that right now. So it's it's not enough to just have the data. Okay, now that you have the data, what are you doing with it? So we know who you are coming in. We know where you are on the scale. Are we doing anything to help you improve it in the academy? Hmm. Are we doing anything to help you when you're in training to improve those emotional intelligence skills or wherever you fall short? Are we helping you when you're off probation and you're on your own? Are we doing anything to help improve that? So it's not enough to simply know where you are. It's the, okay, now that we know where you are, what are we doing? How are we operationalizing it so that, hey, you know what, if you're low on empathy, right? What are we doing to improve your empathy skills over the course of not just the academy, but also through training and also through the rest of your career? Again, it's no different than going to the gym, right? I mean, I'm not gonna, hey, I can tell you right now, <laughs> Because I know uh, Dr. Gould here is like a triathlon, right? I can promise you today, if I did an assessment on my physical fitness skills to be a triathlete, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fall short because I can't swim, number one. So there's, there's a, that's one issue, right? 
you ain't going to get me to run 26 miles or 82 miles or whatever that is. So I know this today, but tomorrow, if I want to get to his level, I've got to work on these things. So that's just emotional intelligence training. It's the same thing. It's good. It's good that you know what it is, but now you've got to work on improving it over the course of your career. So you don't, you know, regress back to where you've started. Thank you, Dr. Magni is happy to coach you on triathlon training if you want, but, uh, but the only thing I could ever beat you with and physically, but I, I think coupled with that training is, is, is throughout the career. Right. So I, I think we're going to talk about like leadership. So EQ is great when I'm a patrol officer, but now I just was awarded stripes or the, my sergeants, you know, and then Lieutenant bars. Well, that, that dynamic changed. My role has changed. So now I'm no longer just I have the added responsibility and, and, and the fortune of leading others. That changes EQ. And, and we don't, again, we talk about, I, I still remember two-week sergeant school and it was great, but it was all about discipline and this and that. And there was nothing about the emotions of leading others, right? And, and that, again, that's where we fall short. How do we have a, an officer with at least 14 confirmed complaints still act in the way he was acting? That was a leadership and an EQ failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're you're jumping ahead. That was going to be my next uh, issue, and that is, you know, for line officers, we can certainly see the benefits of, you know, controlling our emotions and being thoughtful and a critical thinker at, at these scenes. But now we talk about stripes, stars, and bars, and, you know, I think back to my days as a patrol officer and even as a sergeant, my the leaders that I patterned myself after, you know, they weren't teddy bears, but compassion or empathy, you know, was at least visible within them, right? So they had uh, leadership and they had some goals that they wanted you to meet. And uh, the better ones in my mind were the ones who sought you out on a human level to reach out to you. Um, Policing is a, a paramilitary organization and structure, but to give orders and expect people to go off without really uh, being thoughtful about it. What's your take on that? How important is EQ for those supervisors, managers, and leaders of agencies? Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't mean to jump all over you, uh, Dr. Gould. I actually, if you don't mind, uh, Mr. Dudley, you, you actually just answered the question before you asked that question. If I were to ask you or any member of the audience listening to this right now, think back to you know your best supervisors or the best leaders that you've ever worked for. Okay, forget, you can include policing, but even if you had a prior career prior to police, if you think of the best leaders you've ever worked for, the best supervisors, what would you say? You would hear answers like, you know, they were empathetic. They saw me as a human being. You're talking about those intrinsic values, right? Nobody's saying, hey, I love my supervisor because man, he knew policy and procedure or hey, she was great because she knew all of the, uh, you know, the policies to the t-. Nobody's saying that. Everyone's saying things like, hey, you know what? This person saw me for who I was. I can tell you about this one time when I was struggling with something and they took me under their wing. Those are the ten, the intent. Those are the things that people want in their leaders. That transcends policing. You know what I'm saying? So when you ask the question, 
hey, what is it that we need to do? And Dr. Gould already hit on it. And I you know, went to that two-week supervisor school and it was almost anemic on those skill sets related to emotional intelligence, those soft skills, those how do I meet this person where they are, you know, regardless of their background. And to even make matters better, okay, you have to remember emotional intelligence transcends and incorporates all of the diversity, equity, and inclusion training. Because now it doesn't matter the background or the culture that they're from or the subcultures, it addresses all of those things. So that's who we want as a leader. Somebody who's gonna see me for who I am, regardless of gender, race, background, religion, all of those things. They see me for who I am and they see the potential in me and they help me grow and be a better version of myself, even if I don't see it in myself. Sure. And I think for aspiring leaders, I mean, don't get me wrong, uh, competency is a desired trait in your leadership. Um, you can't be all officer friendly and, and not know you know, the, the rules and procedures Absolutely. or policies. So I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I, I felt the need to, to inject that. Dr. Gould, you got, you have yes. a follow-up to that? I, I was just going to say is, you know, and throughout my scholastic training, right, is we learned that you manage things and you lead people. We said from the get-go that policing is the people business. Well, leadership is the people business, but our profession, again, does a woeful job of preparing our leaders to deal with people. Dr. Magnin talked about the, the two-week supervisor school that barely even touched on probably, you know, conflict management. Uh, that's an EQ, right? It's like, hey, I'm, I'm correcting an officer. I wasn't probably super cop myself. What gives me the right to tell that officer, hey, you did this wrong and you need to do this way, right? And so we, more often than not, I think supervisors don't have that conversation. And, and it might go against the grain, but you're not writing everything down. It's just a, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Why did you tell me about why you did this? And, and to seek first to understand, right? And, and to be empathetic and, and to know you don't have all the answers. And when they say, oh, I did it this way. And you're like, oh, okay, that wasn't what I was thinking, right? So that supervisor has to be humble, which is an EQ characteristic. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, it's, um, I'm going to date myself, but the uh, character from, Stuart Smalley, right? Doggone it, people! Everybody loves you. That thing from Saturday Night Live. That's that's good not enough. the kind of supervisor, right? Doggone it, right? You're you're good enough. We don't we don't go around doing that because we're in a very real profession where people get hurt and killed. Our colleagues and people that we're we get to supervise, you know, and be there and be the leadership and and serve them. Um, but like you said, is I, I love what Dr. Maggie said. I, there were a few people in my career, a handful that I would go to the wall for to do anything that they said because it was legal lawful because of who they were and then i also didn't do things because i was working for them and i didn't want to disappoint them right so we might have that temptation to go oh i'll go 100 to this call or do something stupid that might get us in trouble but you're like nope i won't do anything because i never want to disappoint him or her Good because point. and that's that leadership point and that's an eq component right there Amen. Amen. All right. So we touched on it a little bit about can EQ be tested or screened before they're hired? Can an officer working now? So we have officers, um, line level rank and file officers. Is it possible? Uh, do they need to go to a class or can they do a self-awareness test or self-assessment to sort of gauge where they are to see how much more they need? 
I'll say this is, you know, there's several EQ assessments out there. Um, there's a book that you could, you know, buy on Amazon uh, as a pretty easy test, if you will, that you give your rudimentary score. I'll just, and, and not to toot our horns, but I, I think it's like going to get blood work, right? Or you can go get it done, but someone needs to read those those results and say, this is how it's impacted and, and be able to coach you through is Dr. Maggie and I, we have a, a California post-certified uh, workshop and, and IATLA certified EQ workshop. The vast majority of officers, again, because we've been teaching this for years, they just don't know about EQ. And I'm talking from line level up to chief and sheriff and commissioner. So they need our class, <laughs> our, our class on emotional intelligence. Um, and we're happy that they'll come to ours. If they can go to another one, that's great. But we've got to start as a profession. Uh, I'll share this as we think, oh, we can't afford it. Dr. Magni talked to the risk management folks as the then agency spent $27 million in a wrongful death suit recently, 27 million. And that was just that one agency. And that was just for that wrongful death. That could have sponsored 155,000 officers to go through our eight hour course. So people, oh, we can't afford it. You can't afford not to train your people in EQ. Well said. I think we can go back to the last dozen multi-million dollar lawsuits and trace it back, if not to the individual themselves, then to their supervisors or even their peer officers who maybe could have done something. So let's wrap it up. And, and I want to ask you both, um, where can we see what you're writing about? Uh, how do we find out more? And um, how do we learn about the training? Yeah, so this is Dr. Well, Gould. Uh, uh, um, uh, H before no, beauty. Go, go ahead, Dr. Magni. <laughs> no, no, no. This is all you, Dr. Gould. Go ahead. Okay, so we're going to do age and ugly first. So uh, you can visit my website at, at sitnasolutions.com, S-I-T-N-A solutions.com. Uh, if, if you're interested, reach out to me at michael at sitnasolutions.com um, and then just go to my website. Um, as you can tell, Dr. Gould and I, you know, we're, we're like synergistic in our thoughts. Sometimes we just keep cutting each other. It's like, you complete me. No, let me stop. Um, so <laughs> you can find me on my website. It is magneteleadership.com. That's M-A-G-N-Y leadership, common spelling.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Dr. Obed Magni. That's at D-R-O-B-E-D-M-A-G-N-Y. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, just uh, reach out to me and, you know, if you guys looking for some coaching or some emotional intelligence training, you know, we got you. Awesome. And you're in Utah and California. You guys ever get on the road? Do you take your show on the road? Absolutely. Have yep, plane absolutely. wheel travel. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Yep. Well, thank you both for taking the time to be on the show and uh, talk to our listeners about emotional intelligence and um, how it really helps in the profession that we've chosen. So thanks so much. Thank our you. Pleasure. Thank you for having us, sir. Thanks, Jim. Okay. And to our listeners, thanks for listening. And um, how's the emotional intelligence training at your agency, if there is any? And, um, and let us know if, if something's working for you. We'd love to hear about it. If you're enjoying the show, take a moment, rate us on Apple uh, Podcasts, and you can get in touch with me or anyone at the Policing Matters team at policingmatters at policeone.com. That's policeone.com. Drop us a note, an idea, a suggestion. 
what do you want to hear about? Who do you want to hear from? And if you have a question, shoot it to us. We'll try to get the answer for you and maybe mention you in a mailbag episode. All right. Take good care. Stay safe and see you again real soon.